0: space, the final frontier, well, okay, not not really, alright, uh, take two, take two, here in the mitten state, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. We are back.
1: Technical issues cannot stop. The choo-choo-choo. That is the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite Podcasting Network. This is episode 84. Uh, coming to you, I love the fact that we're not only all in Michigan, but we're all in the greater Grand Rapids area, which is always what I wanted for the show, to have it be local. We're even going to do some, we're going to do some photography next month that's going to have the three of us in that be able to do some promo art. I'm getting really far off talking, but anyway, this is uh, the Star wait, Trek program.
2: Like a, what? There's photography? I don't
1: know about photography. Um, so you got to keep oh, up wait, on oh, it. Oh,
2: you mean, you mean for Grand Rapids comic kind of like Con? Okay, somebody,
1: f- somebody, photo- somebody photographing us. Somebody photographing
2: okay. us. That's okay. Hot
1: yes, yes, yes. Exactly correct. So, um, yeah, this is uh, our Star Trek podcast. Uh, keep in mind, here in our network, there are four great shows by subscribing to your Secret Friends Unite podcasting network feed. No matter where you take in your podcast, you can get our four wonderful shows. Uh, our other programs are about Star Wars. That would be the Holocron Chronicles. Both of you have been on that one. Co- or, uh, co-op the mode talks about video games. And for the last eight years, Secret Friends Unite with Todd Oxtra and myself has been a, your guide to the geek side. So please tune in. Uh, give us a follow. You know, give us a five-star review. Uh, and that would be awesome. So without further ado i am charlie carden your truck lord of west michigan captain of the uss grand petoskey joined as always by my stalwart companions that would be mr peter stein say hello hey everybody all right and the technology blasted <laughs> kate not Catherine uh quinn hello how are you doing today
2: i am doing very well after some uh, Technical difficulties. I think my laptop just decided not to recognize
1: my microphone. So It is. It's a Sunday, and it's, it's abstaining. Yes. It's the day of abstaining. So we had some actual news this week. We'll talk super briefly. We don't have to go into big detail, but New York Comic Con was last week or the week before. You see, you get so thrown off when you do a show every other week. <laughs> uh, we did get three trailers for that. We got uh, a nice, fully fleshed out uh, trailer for Picard Season 3. Uh, we got a trailer for the back half or season 1B of Star Trek Prodigy, which comes back Actually, by the time we record our next episode, we'll be talking about the end of Lower Deck season three in the first episode of. Uh, Star Trek Prodigy and discovery season five, uh, which was actually followed subsequently by the news that actor Callum Keith Rennie, who was Leoban the Cylon on Battlestar Galactica, which I know is a favorite of Peter's in mind in particular, will be a Starfleet captain. And there was a pe- nice piece of promo art of him uh, in that Starfleet uniform, uh, all coming, obviously coming to us uh, later this year and into 2023. So Katie is really good at playing along with Peter and I. So Katie, what did you think of the trailers?
2: Um, you know, I'm always or er, I'm always excited about Discovery Season Five. And I did see that they were talking about how this is gonna be I think they, they took some cues from the fans of just saying like this is becoming a slog. They're always going like one galaxy like ending mission after another.
1: Right. True. So
2: they were like, Hey, let's make some stuff a little bit more lighthearted, let's take some stuff from kind of vibes of, you know, uh Strange New Worlds and let's mix it up a little bit. Let's do so, it. Let's yeah. yeah. I mean I'm gonna watch it just because I mean I, I noticed Peter, we're also we're both wearing our Rito shirts today.
1: Oops. So, Sorry. Yeah. I just <laughs> so, just so you don't think I'm I'm promoting, you know, just random naked ladies. This is my keep on trekking shirt that I, I you know don't get to wear that often. It's an indoor <laughs> shirt. It's an it's an inside shirt.
2: But but uh so I'm I'm gonna watch it season five regardless because next to strange in the worlds, like it is definitely my favorite and there's you know, discussions of um, all I can think of is Tendi now because I just watched Lower Deck. Uh
1: which character Grey gr- gr- Nadira The red oh Tilly.
2: Tilly, there we go. Tilly
1: Tendi, it's a t it's a T you
2: sign, know, Whatever it's you want. A t- song, so I'm excited about her coming back. Because <laughs> they have there's also been more discussions of her making more appearances, so I just
3: roll. hope they write her better.
2: Yes, I hope that she gets a little bit more now that she's become, like, uh, a teacher and stuff and really being able to, like, go out on, on her own. I think that will be really
1: Right. Great. Yeah. yeah, dig deeper, dig deeper. Uh, <laughs> Peter, uh, Katie, uh, thoughts about the other two programs? I know Prodigy's not uh, your yeah, favorite.
2: Prodigy, I am going to hate Prodigy,
3: no matter okay, what. Okay, great. Good, um, glad to hear it. the most hated captain, so you can hate it more. <laughs> oh, no! Man! I'm joking about most hated, but like jokingly he's the most hated captain. Oh yeah. Well I Jellico, yay, Jellico. <laughs> oh. I didn't know if we were talking about
1: Okana, Jellico, or Don. No, not I mean, not or... Jellico. Yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> um, and then Picard. Uh, yeah.
1: I know, we're all we're all holding our breath on Picard. Yeah, yeah I, I got thoughts on that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, like. I just don't even know. I don't trust them anymore. I just don't. They they ruined Q for me. Yes. And I shouldn't say they ruined Q, but they did not give Q the off sending that he deserved.
1: The off the off sending.
2: Oh, there the we go. Off, there we go. That's what I said. I, I think he deserves, so. I just don't trust it.
1: I think the off sending is a great name for this episode. So we're <laughs> we're gonna start start the clock. The off. Sending. There we go. But maybe we'll come up with something better. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Nowhere to go but up. Peter, quick thoughts on the three trailers if you were to put it in one paragraph.
3: Uh well, Discovery season five I watched, but as we all know, Discovery's not my favorite. So I kinda like watched it. It was like, eh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean based on what Katie's telling me, maybe it'll be better, but I just I've been burned so much, so I just I don't so know. it's it's your uh, Picard in addition to Picard. Oh, well, no, it's not my Picard. Also I mean, being your Picard. <laughs> Picard is my Picard. <laughs> 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 it, it,
2: have to take, it, it have to take a long step down to be... right. Yeah, a,
3: Picard's a Picard. got its own issues. Like, there were things... So I'll just do it in the same order as Katie. So Prodigy, I'm looking forward to it. I've been enjoying Prodigy for the most part. Ooh, um, agreed. I am actually kind of excited to see what they do with Jellico just because he's such a odd duck. Right. Weird just character. Interesting how they use him because he's clearly going to be a foil against Janeway because you can only use Jellico as a foil. That's like his he, only he, function. He, he's not going to be the wacky best friend. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I'm interested to see that and how they tie it all in and all, all of that. Um, Picard season three, um, the character reveals, like, it got an eyebrow raise out of me, um, but kind of the. Not the oh, they got them because they throw enough money they can get almost anybody to come back. Obviously, Could they bring right. like Ricardo Montalban back from the dead? Yeah, and now they're gone, it's amazing. They could. never know, but um, but more like it's like these characters are here, what are you gonna do with them? Like, lore's back, okay. Laura's back he was in a drawer for who knows how long <laughs> why is he back you you conveniently <laughs> forgot he existed in the first season of you, the just, so you like, just what are you doing
1: absolutely blasted me with uh because Simpsons references are a big thing for me I just remember that that oh, Jimbo, Jimbo and Kearney are the 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 Nelson's best friends on The Simpsons and they're, they're for some reason both in their 20s and he uh, Jimbo or Kearney has a son in it and he says oh things really were hard for my son after the divorce but he's fine now and the kid says
2: i sleep in a drawer
1: <laughs> well, i mean
2: <laughs> is like lore in a drawer like elf on a Shelf. <laughs> <laughs>
3: i've made a
1: new shirt for us
2: oh Where's my god all <laughs> right
1: drawer. and the episode
3: name is change please continue
2: any better than that
3: so um that completely derailed my brain um <laughs> so but the other reveal um like the villain could be interesting i don't know much about her um, I'm right. still kind of getting some Mass Effect three vibes, which I'm not super excited mm-hmm. about. I Love the game, love the story, but I'm not like the way that they ripped off of it in season one and season two just didn't really work for me. Um, it was
2: like the great value version of Mass Effect. Right? <laughs> great yeah.
3: value, the Mass Effect the, the, the
1: Kirkland brand. <laughs> no, because at
2: least with Kirkland, you have to buy a, like a membership to get it. Oh, right. right.
1: Okay. So there yeah, you so you have to step up to step down. I get right. it. There you yeah, go. This
2: is-
3: <laughs> This yeah, is even, I, even worse. <laughs> the oh my god, the the Moriarty reveal was cool because it's Moriarty, and I. But
1: you're Moriarty. afraid. But I bet you're afraid it'll be but, nothing.
3: But it's like it. It kind of. I'm worried that both of these reveals are kind of be like what we got with Q, where it's like he showed up for like a hot right. second, did like yeah. five or six things, and then he wasn't in it for like the entire season. Like right. Q's gonna be the main thing. Q's and he's not he in the season barely know, it's bad. and okay. then here at the end here's wesley crusher it was just oh god yeah i mean you know what? i we, don't we, mind having characters show up and do things but like if you're going to tease that they're going to be there right. and like make it like especially for moriarty you're like how did he get out of the hollow cube what is he yeah. doing is he coming for revenge because picard lied to him that would make sense right but you got to play that and play it right and i just don't know if they're going to do that
1: i like, i know moriarty okay
3: has lots of potential but Right. right.
1: We we better we better ripcord this cuz otherwise yep. we're going to we're going to okay. spiral. But uh yeah, so we're getting Picard this upcoming February. That would be Feb of 2023 if you're listening in the distant future. And mm-hmm. then we don't therefore know about uh discovery if we're going to get that beforehand cuz I'm trying to remember it this time this after. time last year it was after, wasn't it? Yes it was. Yeah, it
3: was like March something about
2: like 20 20- 24, I think, for Discovery.
1: Oh, that seems insane to me. I don't know. We'll have to to put our research bots upon it. But at any rate, let's move on to talking about uh, Lower Decks. We have two new episodes. Uh, I I did provide a little bit of context here, but no, please don't read this big, long thing. But Katie, why don't you kick us off with episode seven?
2: All right. We had a mathematically perfect redemption, and it was a wayward Starfleet ensign struggles to find a path to redemption. This episode I feel like was the spiritual sequel to the Mugato um, episode. You
1: know, oh my god. April, April, <laughs> said this, April said the same things and actually said that she found a, a bird birdman having sex with a robe with, with a little space box. Offensive. Excuse me.
2: It was hilarious like it I, I, was so I, out of left field I know.
1: Yep. So and Pete Peanut Hamper is so snarky. Uh, oh, but, to, yeah. but to give a little bit of context, uh, this episode picks up where the episode No Small Parts left off, uh, with the uh, uber narcissistic uh, exocomp peanut hamper uh, decided to beam out and basically flip all of her, flip her middle flange up and say, screw you to humanity. She gets stranded in space. Eventually, she ends up. Uh, after the Drukhmani scavengers,
3: who did we see them in the previous episode? They're referring yeah, to. they
2: were the ones that were throwing.
3: They were stuff. throwing garbage at the. Um, yeah,
2: at it the was Doritos. The, it was like they found a their... debris
3: field oh, and like the okay. living yeah. the living yeah. uh, Elcar's terminal that Ensign Dingbat made because he wanted yeah. to be cool. <laughs> oh, I really can't normal, remember his yeah. name.
2: You don't talk about my dad.
3: Oh my god. Oh no. So
1: anyway, yeah, so Peanut Hamper hamper does escape, lands on a planet uh populated by bird people called the Error, Error? Error, Error, what are they called? A Erore. Aurora, there we go. they so it's just and it's just a twenty two minute snark fest. She's so snarky. I say oh, yeah. I say she simply because Peanut Hamper is a feminine signing voice, but as a robot, there's no gender. Right, um, she calls herself a she. Does she? Okay, um, but it was yeah. It's just led to the you know, and I was I was fooled the whole live long day. I didn't think no. Peanut Amber's just trying to because in the end of it, she she's pulling a fast one. Uh, she kind of sets it up so that you know Starfleet will take her back so she can get off of this backwater planet, even though she seduces the uh, the the chief's son. And um, yeah, and it, at the end of it, the, the, the you know, when, when we got to the end of this episode, I just I I, I gasped and took a deep breath because I thought of you two guys and how much you love the fact that she gets imprisoned with all the other evil robot oh, brains right, yes. next Agama, right next to Agam right next to Agamas. So there's the, oh, you know yes. we, yeah we get a we get a total uh revisit of that character. Agamemnon proposes an
3: alliance. So the question yeah, is are I we going to get it. some sort of breakout and some shenanigans some who which that. would be Absolutely. hilarious.
2: If I don't get an Agamemnon Peanut Hamper team up somewhere in season 4 I'm going to be freaking so
3: oh, I got you. We might. I mean, yeah, <laughs> this has was, appeared in both seasons. So the I only, was, the only person just, we haven't seen yet who might still come back based on the piece of debris we saw floating is Badgie. Oh, my God.
1: Oh, you know what else yes, I, lo- I loved early early in yeah. this episode that Peanut Hamper built herself essentially Wilson from Castaway?
2: Yes. <laughs> Which she immediately uh, discards. Was it, yeah. was it Susan?
1: Yeah, was something like that. Something? She checked her into the laser beam to save herself. She's like, "Sorry, yeah. Susan." Woo! Yeah. Oh my god! I was just I, I like I said, this for me absolutely reinforces that season three. They they are they're hitting their numbers. I have this episode a bit, originally yeah.
3: like the first started out, and I'm like, "Huh?" And then as it went on, I was like, "Okay, this is hilarious." <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's
1: just, like I said, for me, it reinforces that season three, much like season three of TNG, uh, you know, has just really hit its stride. There was, you know, with TNG, there was really tiny bits of good stuff in seasons one and two. But season three, you're like, bam, you've got your voice, you've got your pacing, things are going along. But this just, they're crushing it. They're just Mm -hmm. crushing it. I just, I had so much fun with this episode. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. All right. Any other thoughts before we move on?
2: No, I don't think so. I After did
3: now. like the, just as a quick side note, I did like how they sidestepped the prime directive where these creatures, where the Aurorae er- had right. already been warp capable and they were just like, nah. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah.
2: And even uh, Peanut Hepper makes a joke about it. She's like, oh, so I have been breaking the prime directive this entire time. Yeah.
3: yeah, right. <laughs> it was really funny.
1: Oh, my God. And, yeah. the bird, the, and when the, the chieftain starts crying, when he finds out, this, you, know, you know, he cries during sex, too. Yes, the yeah. birds actually <laughs> don't really want to think about the fact that, you know, how that goes. down. That's where April was like, oh, my God, I find this offensive because how are they supposed to? Have, that's like the Mugatos, you know, basically jerking off.
3: I just side. treated it like um, Tony Shalhoub's <laughs> character and... Lilani from Galaxy Quest it's like oh. they, it went off screen who knows whatever
2: yeah and that was part of the that was part of the
3: that's part of the gay comedy so. yeah right.
2: she is a tiny robot like at one point she even makes a beak for herself that just sticks yeah. out of her replicator.
3: Yeah, in the marriage sequence, she has a beak on a replicator, which is just so odd. It's so random, yeah. Oh my god, oh no. The fun
2: is the absurdity of the entire thing. Like, that Mm -hmm. episode was just absolutely absurd, and that's what makes it great. Oh my
1: (laughs) goodness. All right, well, Peter, moving on. Take us to episode eight, please. The thing that we Uh were all waiting for, because we got the tease of this on Star Trek, so back in September. So, take us away.
3: All right, Season 3, Episode 8, Crisis Point 2, Paradoxus.
0: Yes! Boimler's
3: holodeck movie sequel tries to live up to the original.
0: <laughs> 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 yes. Oh,
3: <boy. laughs> they make so many jokes about, you're f- freaking up my franchise and you're making a crap sequel. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, and I especially liked the comment that Teddy made about... Um, younger versions of their alternate selves oh yeah just, it doesn't
3: just, make any sense but
1: anyway just,
2: yeah scientifically speaking that's kind of a stretch <laughs> it's like, oh, oh.
0: Yeah.
1: oh there you go
3: and yeah, there's don't, a massive dig against yeah. the verse, which was yeah hilarious. don't
1: forget that we will have an episode coming up and I think I'd have it's between now and the end of the year where we're just gonna do a teardown of all three of those movies put together because um, I, I don't think there's any fans here um, but yeah I, no I, I, I called it into to dumbness on the other stream in, so. <laughs> oh and that's just being kind, but th- this was I, I love it. So yeah, so obviously Boimler casts himself what's his name? Persephone's dagger or something?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So and we have a we have a cool variation of the uh, the Nemesis First Contact jackets, where they just replaced the piping with white. Which yeah, they they pulled a Star Trek Online white beam. Yeah, you know and if, if Cosmoert does that, you know what? I'll fall for it. I'll buy another jacket. <laughs> I don't care. Why, why the hell? Because <laughs> why I don't do have to buy another jacket. No. No, why another, hey, you, oh no, buy another day. Oh, just my oh 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 no. Yeah, they they got me. They got me there. So, um, but yeah, no, it's they're going along doing the program, and so yeah, you know, on the bridge of the uh, what the hell is the name of the, It's a Sovereign class ship, but what is the this ship? Fighter. The Wayfinder, Wayfinder Wayfarer, yeah. Way, Wayfarer. I think, I think yeah, you got like, it.
0: It's so, bad.
1: you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they're flying along, and obviously, and uh, our our crew are the top officers on the ship, and they rescue the Cerritos, but they've got a, they've got a, they have a MacGuffin they have to rescue from these
3: Romulans that stole the what is it the, what what is the what is the Chronogami yeah, it is folds it space, space time. No, like, they God also God have like I this mean. stupid techno babble explanation where you're just like, yes, that's etymology.
2: Okay, yes. but in all fairness, that made just as much sense as I mean. No, the no. Other word
3: names, no it and made it, sense. It, I liked it, but it was just funny because they were just pulling sense. out goofy etymology. Oh, my weird. gosh. And it was it was, right, you know, as things
1: are getting rolling, uh, rolling, Boimler has to bop out. When he comes back, he's super bummed out. You know, he's just, he's really not into it. He's being all sullen. He's looking for the meaning of life, whatever it is. And you find out when, because he had gone and gotten his evaluation from uh, ransom that, that Mariner has to do the same thing. And then in conversation, uh, we find out that, uh, that, uh, Boimler's transporter clone, William, has died in an accident over on the Titan. And so you can, you can tell obviously why that's kind of taken the wind, uh, out of, uh, Bradward Boimler's sails. Um, but through this, you know, uh, including him, you know, going on a frustrated rampage, he wakes up on a farm with guest voice actor, uh, George Takai as a car Sulu. Yes. horsey will bite you now yes i thought that was cool (laughs) that was was great so he does he does finally manage to uh turn it around and find some happiness in it um while that's the b story where mariner and are together but tendy uh tendy is together with the rest of them and she aspires to be a captain she reveals it and um rutherford Totally gives her support, and I love how they never they never get weird with like. And now you you don't get any romantic vibes out of any of the four characters. God, I do love that. I just that mm-hmm. would be so incredibly predictable, and in all this all the stuff that they get into um, that they don't do. So I really do. That was my one you know bit that I had to contribute. Kind of thinking about that. So anyway, was that was this the sequel that you guys were hoping for? Yes and no. Yeah. Okay. Tell like me. That.
2: Um, well, it was a lot more serious than I thought it was going to be. Like, it had a lot more heart to it. Which, you know, the pointing out that, ironically, Mirren are setting out to have the first crisis point be just, like, a free fest of her destroying and murdering the entire crew as her ends up being her working through her, like, issues, you know, of abandonment and all of that stuff. So... I should have seen it coming, but the fact that they had Boiler actively working through all of these issues because his existence feels shallow and meaningless now that, you know, he's tried to uh, constantly accomplishing all of these great things. And the guy he thought was like a better version of himself just randomly died. And he's like, well, crap, what am I going to do then? If he's right. dead? Where do I right. go from here? So it's like, right. okay. Also him just finding, um, what was it? The random, uh,
3: the kitty
1: hawk the, plane. Yeah. The,
2: hawk plane
1: right the the well, random inspirational quote generator godhead yes. that was I I, I, it was I, like this i can't believe we didn't get a live life live laugh love out of that and i would have had to punch a tv screen oh i
2: know maybe that's i just why loved how it
3: was just it. making fun of star trek five that entire oh time. my god oh, yes
1: yeah.
2: you got, it was fantastic yeah
3: because it was shatner's rock monster right oh of. god yes what does god need with the starship
1: Oh my goodness. Oh so no, this was great. Guy, we got two episodes left. Uh, any final thoughts about this before we wrap up segment two uh, here? Just as a
3: side note, I thoroughly enjoyed the section thirty-one clip at the end. Oh, where Boimler yes. totally, totally shit on the fact that they gave them their own badges. That was my favorite line, just because I remember in Discovery Episode Three where they first showed him, I was like, What the
1: frick? Yeah. That's like, it takes me right back to uh, Marvel's Captain Marvel movie where you know she's in the past and she's riding along with uh, with Samuel Fury. Jackson Nick Fury and she pulls out the hat and says so putting your logo on your super secret organization like putting them on hats and stuff how's that working out for you yeah. you know
3: they, okay. yeah nobody likes it's to the have same that. idea so, so just have pointed out just really really liked that. Oh, I mean I do it. absolutely
2: love the black badges. I think they're Oh stupid.
3: they look cool, but in universe yeah. oh, I think like, they're oh. stupid. Oh, yeah, no.
2: Especially for a super secret organization. Like
1: Right. Well, now we all have to order from FanSet, so I'd love it if they would be a sponsor of our show because we I direct so much people to, to so many people to buy their badges, where you might have to get those for our uh, for our first contact jackets. But we shall see. All right. Well, cool. We've got two episodes left of Lower Decks. One bold prediction from each of you, Katie. Oh
2: goodness. Um, I, I don't. Know, I think that. I'm going to stick with my last predictions of, I think that we're going to have it where maybe Mariner is going to take off
0: and
2: on adventuring.
1: uh, Yeah. And I think
2: we're going to see some more out of um, more out of Tendi. I think that she's becoming more of an active participant and maybe her and Rutherford are going to go off on an adventure to try to figure out who exactly in, uh, in Starfleet has been messing with him.
3: Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Gotcha.
3: Yeah. How about you, Peter? Um, I mean, I have to agree with Katie. Those, I think that those things are probably going to happen, right? Um, I also, I did say last time that I thought they were going to pull out another big cameo, and they pulled out Sulu, so I, I was kind of right. Yeah, I, I mean, still I think they wrong. might pull somebody else. Um, I'm, I still think we might get like a pseudo Picard teaser where we get a character from the next generation other than Riker. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe. Honestly, it could be from Rutherford's past, and it's Barkley.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes.
3: Well, yeah, yeah, why not? Well, I don't know. Haven't I heard that
1: Dwight Schultz kind of cracked up or he's a MAGA hat or something? I've heard something not great about him, but now I'm not sure what it is. Hope not. I have no idea. I hope not. I don't believe we're looking to. All right. Well, cool. Let's let's wrap up segment one. And this is going to be a switch because Katie's going to come back and Peter's going to go. But Peter, before you do go, where do people find you out there on the socials?
3: You can find me out on the interwebs at Petrus Aquinas or Petrus underscore Aquinas on other platforms. So you can at me. I may or may not say anything. There, Probably there, not. There, there could be some adding.
1: All right. Very good. Well, we will take a quick pause for station identification and we'll be back to talk about a little show called Voy. That's right. We'll be right back. And we're back. Oh, my goodness. Katie running solo with me. We're talking about uh, Voyager. Uh, and it's funny because we are, are, we were, we were going along in the greater scheme of things doing like all of the season three or all the season two is all the season three. And then you had, you're like, I got all this stuff coming up. I have to take, you know, I have to take you know six months to do this thing and this and that. So we we dumped season two of Voyager backwards all the way to now because uh, we were all the way through the original series. Uh, so this is our last season two that we have to do because we've done we've done everybody else. So uh, yeah. So from memory, I'm riffing. Season two of Voyager uh, came out in the fall of 1995. This was the first full season of the show uh, because it had started in January of 95. They had actually filmed 20 episodes for season one. But for some reason, and if the only way to, to really pick it apart is to pay attention to the star dates, uh, they held four episodes back and sprinkled them through the beginning of season two. So, Katie, as you, as you look at this, because it has the star date, it's the it's the the column just to the right of the name of the episode. You'll notice that they go from four eight, blah blah blah, to four nine, blah blah blah, and then back to four eight. That happened. Oh. Yeah. So it actually means that in. Nerd talk, the, you know, 2371 was the year that Voyager started, 2372 would technically be season two, because star dates run from, you know, 000 to 999. And that length of time indicates the passage of what we would consider 12 months, January to December. So there you go.
2: I would not have known that, but
1: and now you this do. But- is
2: where, this is where the geekiness comes in because you're just like I'm just riffing this. It was started in 1995, and I'm like I do- he's riffing. He I, I'm
1: riffing. riffing. It, it's all it's all in the hard drive. You absolutely absolutely better believe it. But today <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about the first six. Did I do six or seven? Six. I seven. Yeah. No, you Did I? Seven.
0: Uh,
1: well, okay. I know I watched them all. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about the first seven. Uh, and I'll kick it off uh, since I went on this whole rigmarole about star dates and blah, blah, blah. Uh, episode one of the season is actually episode 17 produced and actually set in that first year of the series uh it was called the 37s as in you know 37 don't think about clerks when you think about that that's no well you wouldn't get the reference sorry that's right you wouldn't watch clerks with us very smartly (laughs) you refused to watch clerks with Oxford and myself and i'm glad you didn't uh it started at 48975.1 that puts it at the very end of of what would have been season one uh james l conway was the director written by jerry taylor and brandon braga Written by the the people who you know created the series. That's probably a good thing. Uh, aired at the end of August in 1995. This was the beginning of my sophomore year at Michigan State. So I was very formative years. I was a young man, 19 years old. Women wouldn't touch me with the 10 foot pole. You know. Good times. Um, But this was actually right around the time that Todd and I met and became friends. It was actually at this exact same time because we were in the dorms together. So this is when I found out how much he hated Star Trek Voyager because he thought it it was cheesy. But I'm a diehard and I love it. But anyway, uh, episode summary, a group of humans from the 1930s are found in stasis on a seemingly abandoned planet, including the lost Amelia Earhart played by Sharon... Something who was on NYPD Blue at the time, Sharon. Damn it, help me save me, Katie. Save me.
2: You're you're expecting me to know this is no, you're the one who's winging it.
1: Uh, my winging it only got me so far, Sharon Lawrence. There we go. (laughs) The, the, The very talented Sharon Lawrence. Um, so yeah, Katie. Uh, now was this your you have you watched this through before now, or is this first time for you?
2: This is the first time watching, or no, this is the second time watching through season two. I haven't actually finished all of Voyager. Um, and,
1: you, and you'll get to through being on the show. To, yeah. Look at you. And I'll probably
2: continue to watch it, like just continue to watch the seasons. Oh, like, sure. After we watch, because I do enjoy watching it. Um, You know, Janeway's absolutely incredible. Totally. And she's You know, I just love her. Um, So I, I immediately remembered that I find Tom Paris annoying. Because <laughs> <laughs> it starts out and they find this old 37 Ford. And I'm like, you are how many centuries past when this vehicle was created? And you're right. going to tell me that you understand. It's all of its intricacies to the point where you can jumpstart it.
1: Right. And that there's, and this thing floating in space has fuel in it and... Oh, that
2: the fuel lines haven't frozen and broken? Are you kidding me? Exactly. Like, so that was like such a, like that felt like such a start. And it was just all,
1: (laughs) it was all like if it was on lower decks, it would make sense. But on this, where they're trying to play it serious, it seems completely and you're someone who has, you're someone who has a lot of obviously knowledge and experience with vehicles. So I would understand how that would... Definitely rub you the wrong way. It's totally ridiculous.
2: My dad and I just actually we went to a car show um, up in my hometown last month, or earlier this month. Earlier this month, and he is a man who knows his cars, and he has just he's like you with Star Trek, just encyclopedic knowledge. It's absolutely amazing. He can look at an old car and know exactly which one it is, like what year, by body type, what the engine was, and I'm like to have that kind of encyclopedic knowledge going for centuries. This is a man who has, like, a couple decades worth of knowledge, and you're going to tell me that he knows everything from the past few centuries? Because
1: it just... And, you know, it gets worse (laughs) as the show goes on because he's like, well, I'm also a mission on all the early Mars exploration. It's just like, you know what? You're a little know-it-all shithead. And that's Um,
2: the thing. If if that was his thing, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. That's understandable. But it seems like everything's his thing. But anyway, I did, overall, besides that annoyance, I did very much enjoy the episode as far as, like, having Amelia Earhart. It was very much like a, a sweet fan moment.
1: Yeah, Jim, totally like,
2: meeting Earhart and explaining right. like the importance oh, of who she was, and like having that bonding moment. Even though um, it's Fred was her navigator.
1: Yeah, um, who was he, was he? Was a, a he was ta- he was a Tackleberry from the Police Academy movies, which was big in the eighties. If you've never seen any of them, um, <laughs> yeah, he, you're right. He 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 was a total douche, yeah. uh, you know. And they they had kind of a pache of other stereotypes. You had, you know, a a Japanese soldier, you had uh, an African-American farmer, you had some other various people that, you know, you didn't uh, need to know. That was all kind of like, oh, that was convenient. But um, what do you think about the overall decision that they made? Because they they were struggling with, you know, do we want to stay here? They've created a new earth here. Everything is awesome. It
2: was really great, um, you know, continual moments of conflict that come up as far as like ethical dilemmas that star trek has a lot but in like a different way which was really great and you know and it reoccurs between like conversations between janeway and chakotay a Mm -hmm. lot throughout even these episodes that we're talking about but it also had a lot of these same like xenophobic vibes that were prominent in world war ii as far as you find out that these people that they're fighting who you know were like the overlords
1: right the br- the bri- briori see i plucked that out of my head yeah
2: <clears throat> so there was a lot of fear of these folks and me like oh well, you're human oh i'm human actually like oops, we've been yeah. each other. Womp, womp. exactly yeah. um so i thought it was really great where even you know janeway and chakotay acknowledged they cannot run the ship without their full crew right but they also cannot like stop their crew from having free will because that's not what Starfleet is about. So right. watching them in this, you know, really tragic situation that Starfleet had no rules about when they created those, you know, regulations. Right. Still trying to follow those standards. I thought was really, really interesting. It's one of the reasons like Janeway has such like loving mom vibes, but in that like totally. type of way, which is why I think she's my favorite. Cause like, She'll reprimand you, but then she'll also be like, but it's
1: okay, I'm sorry. But she also, <laughs> and she, she gives hugs, I notice a lot. Yeah, like, and that's the thing you said, She's
2: like, yeah. she, would, she would yell at you, but she'd also be like, but I want you to know that I still love you. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I, you know what, I'm I, I'm disappointed, but I still love you. Um, right, right. Well, I found it to be phenomenally implausible that out of a crew of 150 people, nobody chose to stay. Not, not even like right. a couple of people would be like, you know what, living on a ship and being attacked by hostile aliens every other week, that kind of sucks. I think I'd like to give it up and just be a farm. Or whatever. That I mean, you, under, you understand. Uh, I would definitely say I understand. You know, thematically and story-wise, why they would do it because it would be like, no, we're one crew. We're a Starfleet crew, even though some of us are, are not Starfleet. Right. Um, but we all we're all super committed to going back out and probably dying in the vacuum of space for this right. seventy-five and year trip over. Again, yes.
2: Exactly. Like, yeah, it definitely felt like there should have been some people, but also that moment of you know, no, we are Starfleet. We are one. Like right. that was. Yeah. Right, so we understand should... it realistically. No, thematically, I get it.
1: Right, because yeah, as we found, as Starfleet goes on, though know, Starfleet people are super buttoned up, and we all believe we mm-hmm. want to be out in space and bur burr, burr. But again, not all the people were Starfleet people. But anyway, I right. thought, I thought it, it, this would have been the season finale of season one, much better than the season finale of season one was the episode where Tuvok has to do basic training for four Maquis recruits who are total dipshits. Do you remember that one?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was
1: was... the season finale of season one and it sucked. This would have been, this would have been a great season one finale, but it was also, it was also a great season one, season two Yeah, It was a
2: great way to jump back into it and kind of like really gave you like the vibe of the show. But I agree that it probably would have been a really great send off to season one especially if you know they hadn't had a chance to be renewed or something else had happened like right. it would have been a really great end cap
1: because that. you could have said yeah they're going for it but as it were they yeah. were you know the top show on a fledgling network that had a lot of other shitty shows so oh, they yeah, were gonna they were gonna, gonna, see, gonna yeah. get canceled this yeah. was far <laughs> too many years before you know star trek gets canceled all right well let's move along yes. uh episode two of the season is yours take it away
2: all right we had initiations that was uh aired in september 4th 1995 um jacote encounters a Kazan youth who is an who is on an initiate right to earn his name by killing the enemy or be killed in the attempt. Um, and it was directed by a um, Colby and um, written by Kenneth billard.
1: There um, you go. The, and this was a no, This would have by the date had been the season premiere because yes. it's, you see it's four nine Oh Oh five, which would have been f- five days into that year. So it would have been like, it's a January story. Um, but as the season premiere, it would have been like, eh, okay, it's an episode.
2: Right. Well, in, it's I, I have such conflicting feelings about Chicoche because I love the idea of his character, mm-hmm. and so much of his character though is written off as tropes of
1: true indigenous
2: American culture. Correct. Because the correct. person that they had as you know their consultant was an absolute hack.
1: Yes. So like for sure.
2: they made a mild attempt to have some rights, but I feel like even like. There wasn't anyone who questioned him and like, this This feels kind of tropey. Are you sure? <laughs> well,
1: right. Well, yeah, back in the 90s, you would think, than, yeah. yeah, you know, oh, like, we're getting more enlightened and things are, you know, it's just, no, it was not getting more enlightened. Thank God over time that really diminishes and he just becomes a regular dude and a regular character right. who's written like or not like, you know, even early on, and I remember, uh, I remember Years ago when my ex-wife and I were watching this, she thought it particularly hilarious how in the first season, B'Elanna would overpronounce his name, Chacote. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody else would do it, but it's like, I, uh, oh. yeah, yeah, you're right. It was it was it was it was tropolicious. That would almost be a great mm-hmm. other other name for the episode. But uh, we're sticking with Laura in a drawer because oh, she, Laura
2: in a is great. Yes. Laura,
1: yeah, we got it. But but, um, but yeah, the guest star in this was Eric Eisenberg, who was Nog on Deep Space Nine. Great role. Uh, I I liked it. But yes, the, the the trope of part of it is annoying. You get a lot more development of the Kazon, who is our season one and two uh enemy. They're kind of mm-hmm. like uh they're kind of like a Walmart version of the Klingons, yeah. you know, with their like duty and honor and blah, but they I don't understand how a replicator works. It's amazing. You know, yeah. they have faster-than-light travel, which means they have artificial gravity and air recycling and stuff, but they can't figure out like transporters and and food replicators are like, ooh, it's amazing. Yeah. You like, know, yeah. How are you
0: getting
2: this far out into space? And how are you doing all of this stuff?
1: Well, yeah, where are they getting food and supplies and blah, 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 right. and this and that. So,
2: yeah, the caissons, I'm always just like, mm, okay, sure. Like, I get it, I guess. But it feels very much like a recycled villain where I find the episodes that are much more engaging are like the ones, like the 37s, where it's not going up against the Kazon's, it's going up against kind of the self in trials of the crew. Because I'm like, you already have this whole huge thing going on. Right. Where, you know, they're out in a completely unexplored level of space. You don't need to throw in some random, like, barbarian
1: light culture of barbarian light. Do you say barbarian light? Like, yes. like, like Bud Light. <laughs> well, they are. Like they're, they're the they're- Bud Light villains. I like it.
2: They are, but it's also like, again, it's just a lot of cliches and tropes of, oh, well, we must kill you for honor. And I'm like, but didn't you, have you guys been doing that since like, like Klingons?
0: Right. And then also yeah.
2: Chakotay talking about like, well, you need to respect my culture because I'm not going to kill you. And then like, not trying to understand his culture really as far as like he's like, well, why would I kill you? And I'm like, because that's how their culture works. Right. Like you, it might not be your culture, but that's still his culture. Whether or not you agree with it, is you know. Right. This is true. what
1: they do. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. So yeah, I, I liked it, but you're right. It was I, I liked it, but it was overloaded with the, the troposphere, as it were. Yeah. Which just and, and I did
2: like. I would much rather watch this episode than a lot of them in like TNG season two.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but oh, no. still
2: enjoyed watching it, especially right. like the bond that Takoto had with um, the Kazon youth, like, at the end of it. I don't remember what they gave him na- his name, but I thought
1: it was, was, it, really was it was It was Carr, and then he was Car- Cardane, which is like Cardan, which I thought, yeah. hey, that's great. That's yeah. mine. Yeah. He's the, my the guy. The bond He's... that
2: he got with Cardane at the end and yeah. the way that they kind of met in the middle as far as respecting right. each other's individuality was really, really good.
1: Exactly correct. Well, cool. All right, moving on. Episode three is Projections, Uh, another holdover from season one, directed by Jonathan Frakes. Woo! This where I was listening to a podcast recently that was breaking this down, and I think – this was maybe one of the last episodes that he did until, and they took a huge gulf and they didn't return until discovery. So it was that long oh, wow. be- between him directing anything for star Trek, uh, written by Brandon Braga. We got this in September Oh, September 11th of 1995. Uh, the doctor becomes delusional, delusional after an accident, causing him to believe that he is a flesh and blood person. And his time on the Voyager is a holodeck program. This episode also features Reginald Barkley.
0: There we go. <laughs>
1: (laughs) Um, Which is, you know, Barclays obviously is a holdover from TNG. He's the bumbling engineer who has holodeck, you know, related issues. Um, So, yeah, this was a 100% case of. Not really buying it. You know, from from the beginning, it was, oh, there was a big, there was a, the, and again, it was a Kazon episode. The Kazon attacked and the crew had to escape, but then Bellana breaks, you know, it's, it's all taking place in sickbay because at this point, obviously, that's the only place the doctor can be. Um, but then, you know, as it evolves, you see his mind starting to break down. And so he can't figure, you know, he starts to think, you know, Barkley shows up and he starts to think or the Barclay hologram is trying to convince him that he's real and the Voyager simulation is all what's fake. And he has to blow up the, you know, the, the holographic ship in order to restore himself. And it's just, it's funny. It's all really summed up at the end where the doctor, you know, after everything is wrapped up and everything's back to normal, he's sitting, you know, in his little office in sickbay, and he's talking to Kess, who's his nurse. And he says, well, you know, why would the holotech give me such an esoteric, Dilemma: Am I am I program or am I? Sure, I understand. You know, oh geez, listen to that! Oh my god, it did it made my watch go off. Oh shit! Um, So he's trying. He's trying to. He reflects back on how kind of dumb the plot is in the conclusion of the episode, which is which is which is is kind of great. Yeah, say that much.
2: I did like. I felt like there could have been some good ideas here because it's you know, the doctor is very much like the evolution of the data quandary. Yeah. You know, what is life? How can we understand sentience? And I remember the first time I watched this episode, I was like, oh, this is going to be really interesting. Like what is going on? And it just never really took off. Right. It felt like it never really just got its feet underneath it. And I think part of it is because they just kept throwing a lot of scientific jargon of like, oh no, it's this radion, like radiation thing. Oh no, it's the neurological thing. Oh, yeah, it's right. actually, it's this- and it just was, like, a lot of, like, weird repetition stuff where I would have, like – I think I would have liked it if they could have come up with a different reason besides just he it shorted
1: it out. Yeah, Space Anomaly. That's what – and, again, if you talk to Todd about this show, it was funny. It was right around this time. Uh, it was Halloween of that year, and I have a bunch of pictures I'll have to share. Maybe I'll post them on our secret friends group just think about Halloween and stuff. But myself and then our friends uh, Steve and Susie Borowski, well, they, they weren't married at the time, but they're married now. We did – she looks very much – like Kate Mulgrew, she she had an aunt who made us those Voyager jumpsuits, which was super cool. It was my first legit Star Trek cosplay. Was that one? Um, and I did. I she did the Chakotay tattoo on my head. I may have showed you the pictures before. But Todd decided to join the fray by getting a piece of cardboard and writing space anomaly on it and hanging it around his neck. That was that fantastic. Th- yes, exactly. Is, so I have pictures, I have, pictu- I have <laughs> pictures and I will super duper share them uh, because this episode drops tomorrow. Is recording. I will share them on Twitter um, mm-hmm. to hit them up. So, but yeah, that was pretty, pretty amazing. But yeah, this was a, it was an anomaly of the week kind of situation. So yeah, it didn't, didn't really do anything. Super unique. But anyway. All right. Episode four is Elogium, Another season one holdover. Four, eight, nine, two, one. Uh, Winrich Colby was the director of Heritage uh, Star Trek uh, contributor. Story by Jimmy Diggs and Stephen J.K. Don't know the names. Uh, but the tale played by Ken Biller and Jerry Taylor from September of 95. Space dwelling. Uh, life forms caused Kess to enter the Okampa fertile phase called the Elosium. Putting pressure on her Relationship with Neelix and when uh, when she wants to have his child. <sighs> Katie, go ahead. <laughs> I, just, I, um, I, I don't so want to start.
2: <laughs> the first, like up until this episode, I think it what I was like, you know, I'm like, maybe I was giving Neelix about. I like he's annoying, but not too bad. He's and then not I remember betting, yeah. Why I hated him with such vitriol? The first, he <laughs> is such an abusive boyfriend. He's such totally. an abusive partner. Totally. Cass meets her The entire time and, right. and he's such a, oh he's so jealous And I'm like why I know. Why did they think this was an attractive attribute to give
1: to him? Oh a my mom? god. Just I know. so
2: horrible. So I know.
1: Oh, oh my it god. It drives
2: me I just hurt. So throw him out <laughs> of space like please especially cuz Cass is what by far one of my favorite characters in Voyager.
1: Yeah.
3: Like
2: she's she feels like she is the like IRL version of Tendi. She's just very like hearted, she's very positive, she wants to learn
1: and like she has she has the best arc of any character, which which right. then you know they they kind of boot her off the show when Seven comes right. along. They're like, oh TNA, they're like, bye. Right. Boop, and they kind of football her out of there. But in those four seasons, she has a great character arc because when we right. meet her, she she's a slave, she's a runaway, she gets rescued, okay. and then she becomes. And even in uh, one of the future episodes where it's an alternate reality in the future, she becomes a doctor on Voyager. So she's right. super capable and smart. And, and then they, and then there's Neelix. Yeah.
2: Who is constantly holding her back, telling her that she doesn't know what she's doing, telling her that she's maybe well, maybe she just doesn't understand. And I'm like, Okay, no. this is
1: the, the <laughs> oh, girl no. who,
2: yeah, this is a young woman who is two. Um, You're right. has you know, has now gone through being a runaway, being enslaved. And now is on a ship of technology that she does not understand and is still working to become a nurse and a technician. And, she's and
1: crushing it. She's crushing, crushing it more than is. anybody else. What yeah. I
2: really, really love is that they allow her to keep her innocence and positivity while also being incredibly intelligent and capable. Right. So, like anything with Kes, I'm just like, yes, she's my data of TNG.
3: All her, Kes, um, Kes.
2: Oh, oh,
1: boy. <laughs> Whatever the hell show we're watching. Yes. But, um, yeah, this episode, again, it really highlights, you know, and then Neelix is like, well, I don't know if I'm ready. And then Tuvok has to give him a talking to. I don't think it's this. It's in a later episode that Chakotay has to give him a talking to. I think it's mm-hmm. in the episode Twisted that we're going to talk about in a minute. It's just, yep. yeah, there's nothing redeeming about Neelix. He's just, he's a big fucking dick. He's just,
0: yeah.
1: maybe, hopefully, not, probably, literally, that's why he could, you know, get a good-looking girl
2: like <laughs> No, no, it's not worth it. I can guarantee you. I think that the, part of the problem is that she just basically has Stockholm syndrome and doesn't know any better. Where she's oh like, no, like, she's in an abusive relationship, and she thinks that these types of things are like attractive. Right. Where she's like, no, he just cares about me. The whole, Ex- whole exactly. Oh, no, I trust you. I just don't trust him. I'm like, no, that's a bullshit response. That's a yeah. bullshit response.
1: Listen to Katie, everybody. Listen. If you're listening to this, and that's yes. your life, listen to Katie. Listen um, but. To me. Beauty is in season three.
2: I had my twelve year anniversary yesterday.
1: Of Mary, so yes. Awesome. Very good. But the good news is, is in season three she does dump his ass. So you got that to yes. look forward to. Absolutely.
0: Yes. I'm thrilled. Awesome. But
1: other than that, yeah, this this episode doesn't really thrill me. So uh, all right, moving on. Episode five uh, is you, Katie. Go ahead, please.
2: Non sequitur. Um, which aired in September uh, 25th 95. It was written or directed by David Livingston and uh, written by um, Brandon Braga again. We had Harry Kim wakes up in a 24th century San Francisco uh, with no record of him on The Voy. The Voy. So this is just another set of, <laughs> like, I felt like I got two holodeck episodes in one sitting, which was very strange.
1: Right.
2: Um, I mean, I did enjoy... I enjoy Harry Kim. I really, I wish he wasn't as attached to Tom Paris.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, there's your, there's your, there's your Stockholm syndrome right there. Look yes, at that shit.
2: Exactly. Cause like he takes him under his wing and stuff. And I think Kim is an amazing, you know, technician. He's an amazing engineer. In fact, there was that point um, in a uh, twisted. We'll talk in the next one where um, like uh, j actually stops him in as they're like crawling through these tubes and she, these Jeffrey tubes, she's like, I want you to know I'm really proud of you. You are really oh, so no. And I was like, Oh, that's so sweet.
1: No. <laughs> I is, know! Is, he's
2: an ensign and he's taking on a lot of the responsibilities of like a chief engineer. And he's just like, Yeah, he's showing up. Right. And, I mean, honestly, I can't say that I would have done the same thing as him if like these aliens were like, Hey, we're really sorry you went through this time space and we just tried to like figure shit out.
3: Right, like you got stuck here. Here you are, but like, oh,
2: okay, so that's what happened. That's cool, I guess.
1: Right,
3: I'll
2: just live on with this one then.
3: Yeah, you know,
2: right. Because they, they,
1: they dump Uh-oh. him back in his life with his fiance, uh, who's actress, actress Jennifer Gotti, who the two mm-hmm. roles I'm familiar she was with, is she played the runaway in Bon Jovi's runaway video in the early 80s. So random. And then she was um, there was a two part episode of TNG in season six where Worf finds a a, 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 a camp of hidden. Klingons that were rescued from Kittimer, which is where his dad died. And oh, yeah. she she is the hybrid daughter of the camp prefect who's Romulan and one of the one of the prisoners, former prisoners who's a Klingon. And War falls in love with her, is going to kiss her, and he brushes her hair and sees she has a pointed ear and she and he's like Ew. Yeah. No. <laughs> I know. Ew. It's proving, proving that, you know, we'll get to talk about season six of Racism. TNG way down the road. Racism. But he,
0: Racism. I know.
1: Racist, <laughs> racist AF. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, you know, and Harry's like, I got to get back. And then you're right. He gets hooked up with... Tom Paris in This oh, Alternate yeah. Future. And Tom Paris is exactly what you would expect. He's kind of a scumbag. He's playing pool, being drunk. He's got a scruffy beard. And he's like, I want to fuck up this perfect life so I can get back to being stranded on the other side of the galaxy on a ship where I will never get a fucking promotion. So right. you're right. Yeah, for the sake of the show, you understand why I did it in real life. Right. Fuck I mean, that. I don't know. I don't
2: know. Yeah. I mean, and also, he had just created, like, a whole new prototype uh, right. ship that like, right. had greatly advanced warp technology. And I'm like, right.
1: why? He was a, he was a fucking rock star. Leaving? Yeah. Why are
0: you leaving?
1: Exactly. But so I, dumb. But yeah, he so did okay. it because maybe he's not as smart as you thought. Maybe not. <laughs> oh, my God. So anyway, moving on. Moving on. Episode six <laughs> is uh, is Twisted, which Katie just mentioned. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a holdover from season one, aired in October of 95. Uh, Kim Freeman was the director. The story was by Arnold Rudnick and Rich Hosek definitely not regulars. Uh tell played by Ken Biller, uh, a region of space distorts the interior of Voyager. Boy, that was really descriptive. But that that's basically all that's all that's yeah. going on. You know, we kick off with the gang hanging out in the holodeck, uh, pool hall, Sandrines. Uh everybody ends up there for some I can't even remember why everybody it was ended Cass's up.
2: There. birthday. They had a it surprise, was Cass's surprise birthday.
1: Parker. So that's why everybody was there. But it gives obviously Neelix a chance to continue to be an asshole Absolutely. to the point To give to the point that Chakotay has to give him a talking to about Mm -hmm. being jealous because they're walking around, and after Neelix is like, Oh, Tom Paris is really into her, which is we'll deal with in the next episode. And then, Mm -hmm. Oh, we're walking around, and she's she knows where different dudes' quarters are because she's reading the door plate. How do you know where all these dudes live? It's just he's fucking dreadful. Oh my god,
2: absolutely horrible. And she is so kind to him all the time and so generous, and even like the fact that. I mean, and I always thought, like, Tom was very, like, very nice to her. And, like, despite their weird relationship that goes on. Like, yeah. I was like, I thought it was really sweet. Like, he makes her this locket. And she's like, that's really cool. And then Neelix is like, well, I baked her a cake. He just replicated something. And I'm like, yeah, oh, right. really? Really? Really, good. Are we yeah. really going here? But yeah. also, to say again, this is something where, yes, it's a very simple one-liner elevator pitch, but it ended up being a very, very complex story about
1: what
0: happened.
1: Exactly, because you see see that, what you just described between Janeway and Harry Kim, mm -hmm. some moments between Chakotay and Tuvok, they're my two favorite characters in Voyager. Oh,
2: yeah, they're great. Yeah, Even you had the dynamics between um, Chakotay, uh, uh, Tuvok, and um, Balanac.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. You see, yeah, because Belana is his protege. She looks up to him. We find out a few episodes down the road that she also has weird sex fantasies about him, but I'm glad that that doesn't get revisited again. <laughs> um, but yeah, but uh, yeah, you're right. You see a lot of very complicated the, over the course of, and again, this, be, this being at the very tail end of season one, technically, you know, mm-hmm. just in the, you know, Six or eight months that they've all been on the ship together; these relationships that they that have really burgeoned. Um, yeah. So you're right for an episode with a very Star Trekky dumbass like, oh, the ships getting twisted and some really wonky CGI when they all finally bend and they're like, Murr. yeah, it's, it all just, you know. <laughs> but, but you're right; it was it was a surprisingly and maybe that's for the benefit of having non staffers or at least what I'm assuming yeah. non staffers wrote this is that you're getting that really outside. Perspective, and you can tell that obviously with the teleplay, Ken Biller, who's a staffer, obviously mm-hmm. tweaked things and added in the parts of it that really fit within kind of the whole parlance of the characters' interactions. But yeah, yeah you're right. For such a like, bleh, epi- like techno-babbly what they call a bottle show, which is they don't build any new sets for it; they use existing sets. They don't yeah, really go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So th- that ended up working out. So yeah, I would say of this of this pack, that's that's one of the better ones. I really do mm-hmm. like it. So. Yeah. Oh, and it's all right. So you take us home. This is an episode that I had just listened to. I listened to uh one of the Roddenberry podcasts, and now I'm forgetting the name of it. I don't want to give them any press. I'm just kidding. I love their stuff, but they just <laughs> they, what they do on this per, mission log is the name of it. They take an episode. And they're right in season two right now. They're just ahead of us, where they take a full episode and break down a single episode. But they do a quick recap and then they discuss its its relevance and how it holds up. Um, and they talked about this one. I realized Johnson Frakes directed this one too, but I realized that I hadn't seen this one. I think probably since April, and I watched all of the Star Treks probably five years ago. So, but anyway, wow. this this one is yours. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Um. So, um, Partrician, It was. Uh. Yeah. Like you said, directed by Jonathan Frakes. Um. By. Uh, written by Tom. Uh. Solasi.
1: Don't know him. So yeah.
2: Sorry. Sorry, um, Tom, if you're listening and I mispronounced your name, I apologize. Sorry,
1: Tom. All
0: right.
2: You can at me and uh, give me the phonetic pronunciation. Please do. Uh, aired in October 9th of ninety-five, and uh, Neelix and Tom Paris fight over Kes because apparently she can be fought over like an object. Anyway, um, but Ooh, uh, wow. are sent on the way mission together to work out their boy
1: troubles. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, this is uh. wow. And and I will note this was the debut and then immediate retraction of Catherine Jane Ray's new hairstyle of chin-length hair, which oh, makes her I which makes
0: her. <laughs>
1: Which yeah, and it make, it doesn't make a return until like season five or six because yeah. she she goes through she goes back in the very next episode to the super hair yeah, in season three
0: up, in season
1: three is. yeah it turns finally turns into a ponytail she mm-hmm. has that for a long time. And then I, in season four, she gets the chin-like hair back. So yeah, it takes, uh, but proof that in the 21st century, you can change your hair in five minutes, just yeah. brrr, which is yeah. why, why is anybody bald? Why is Picard bald? Why doesn't he just... Brrr? Because
2: they, they chose to be, apparently. Like, oh, Because, gotcha. because okay. they have moved past. I mean, unless you're talking to Riker or Neelix or Tom Paris or Chicote. But but supposedly, they've moved past superficial beauty. I
1: don't know. Except except (laughs) for when the men need to do their hair pretty. That's what you're saying. Oh, my God. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, you're right.
1: This was troporific. To the, yes. even more so than the initiations episode with Chakotay and the Kazon uh Kazon Nog. <laughs> this was bad. Yeah, you're right. They're fighting over her like she's an object, like mm-hmm. you know, like that's my property. And how yeah. um, dare you
0: talk to yeah.
2: her? And, like, and he goes after her at one point because Tom, trying to be respectful of Neelix, not of Kiss, right. said like, Oh, I won't step in, you know, I won't step in your lane. I didn't want to like, you know, I knew let's try and stay away from her.
1: Right, not um, going to sit next to her in the mess hall because right. then we might but have then, friendship because your fragile, you know, talaxian right, male ego can't deal with it. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: Neelix's narcissism still kicks in and <laughs> becomes paranoid. And he's like, how dare you act like nothing has happened when you guys are sitting each other with your backs to each other. And poor Kes is thinking that she did something wrong because right? he's just stopped talking to her. right. And which is
1: which is awful because you know, true, she may be young, but regardless of the fact that she's young, she does nothing wrong by having a friend. Oh, he's male, right. and it must mean that you know. And then Neelix is like, "Well, he's just walking. He's just walking hard on." Bar, 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 basically, what he well, says and about the thing
2: it. is again, then that's Tom's problem, not Kess's problem, because exactly. Kes will put Tom in his place if she needs to. But mm-hmm. Neelix doesn't trust her to do that. So, like, and I was kind of sad because overall. The idea of, like, them finding and nurturing this creature, like, because they, they end up crash land on a planet and find this, right. like, little lizard dude. Right. Um, you know, kind of look,
1: looks like the baby from the show Dinosaur, which is sitcom in the 90s. Yep,
2: yep, yep. Um, I was thinking that it looked like, um, oh, the lizard guys um, that were in, um, oh, that showed up in s again. But they're OG versions.
1: Oh, in Stranger Worlds. Oh, the the, like the uh, oh, like the Gorn. Like the Gorn.
2: I thought it kind of looked like a Gorn baby. Oh boy! Well, thank
1: God it wasn't like vicious like the Gorn was in Stranger Worlds. Oh my
2: God! Yeah, Um, but I really kind of liked that moment, and I think it would have been so much better served if those moments could have been between like Tuvok and Chakotay, or like Tuvok and you know anyone anyone else really, because it was just they weren't stories that I needed to hear and it right. wasn't a story like the the motivation for them being together was just so bad. And honestly right. Janeway telling them to just get over it because mm-hmm. they were going on this mission was phenomenal oh absolutely I enjoyed that part. I
1: can't even believe it's like I can't even believe she didn't really because re- if it was Cisco like when Cisco had to deal with HR issues on DS9 I he know. just ripped someone's asshole out like remember anytime right. Kling- Klingon shit came up with Worf and Dax he's like well in case you haven't noticed this isn't a Klingon station and you are not wearing Klingon uniforms fuck right. you fuck you and fuck you knock it off get out of my office Right, exactly. I think she could have she been meaner. That was the only thing yeah. that I would say. She could yeah. have been a little bit less like, well, just work it out. I think she should have really kicked some ass. But she'll get her chance because she always does because she's awesome. So, right,
0: just, all right,
1: all right, cool. Quick, quick wrap up of these seven episodes. Give me a favorite and a and a hate, a hate writ. Hate writ? Is that so, an absolute um, favorite?
2: A would probably be the one I love to hate. Um, yes. And then I think that probably. Um, Probably Twisted would be my favorite.
1: Uh, I also agree about hating um, a a Partition, and I loved – damn it, I have to agree with you. You're right. Twisted was great because (laughs) they they took something simple and they made it something great. So, oh, my God, we're in complete alignment. Very good. (laughs) I – Dig it. Well, cool. Well, friends, well, with that, that is the end of our program. We ran long today. I love it. We had so much to talk about in both segments of the show. But, Katie, without further ado, please take us out of here.
2: Yes. For more information about Starfleet International, please visit Grant Petoskey on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
1: Awesome. Katie, where do people find you out there on the socials?
2: You can find me on Twitter at QTGeek. That is Q underscore T Geek. And then on Instagram at QuintessentialGeek.
1: Excellent. You can find me, of course, at the C3 at most socials. Just spell it out. Uh, April, my wife, and I also run the USS Grand Petoskey, of which Katie and Peter are both members. If you're in the Grand Rapids area, if you're in Michigan at large, if you're anywhere listening to me and want to be part of our club, we would love to have you. You can find us on the website of that same name and on socials pretty much at that same tag. I uh, also try to fill up our Facebook community over at Secret Friends Unite with content for your entertainment so with that friends i'm going to thank you again for joining us i'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking
2: and remember wherever you go go boldly
0: this podcast is part of the secret friends unite podcasting network visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows articles news reviews and more secret friends unite podcasts are available on apple google spotify and other podcast services around the world